Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. The show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the tee. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for coming back and joining me today again on Next on the Tee. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and do we have a show in store for you today? I've got four great guests that I just can't wait to share with you. First up this morning, I'm going to get a return visit from Alan Edmonds CEO, Paul Grandgarda. I always have so much fun talking with Paul, so much fun that I usually lose track of time when he's with me on the show. So we're going to have a lot more fun talking about all the great things going on at Allen Edmonds right now. He is set to join me here in just a few moments. He'll be followed by top 100 instructor Tom Patry. Tom has had an amazing career as a top instructor and as the director of instruction for 11 years up at Westchester Country Club in New York. So many great stories and so many great tips that uh, we can't wait to get Tom here on the show. He'll be joining me about 25 minutes from now. Then our good friend, former LPGA pro and now co-host of 18 Holes with Jimmy Hanlon on Fox Sports, Carling Nolan is going to be back with me. You want to talk about someone who can light up a room and put a smile on your face. Boy, every time Carling has been on the show, that's exactly what's happened. So looking forward to catching up with her a little later in this hour. Then we're going to wrap up the show with 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. You know, Sean has been just about a regular with me every single week here on the show. He's going to be back to answer more of your questions and share more of his stories and insights with me at the top of the next hour. So it's going to be a great show today, folks. I am so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over about the next 90 minutes. Next on the Tee is brought to you today by our friends over at Seymour Putters. Let's get things rolling by hearing a word about them. Golfers, has this happened to you? Great drive. Perfect second shot on the green. Only the three or even four putts. Shaking your head all the way back to the cart. I have good news. Help is on the way with the Seymour Putter. The Seymour Putter Company patented RST technology sets up the putter perfectly every time using a visible gun sight on the top line. Genius! It's like locking radar onto the target. In this case, the golf hole. Putting the golfer in perfect position to make a reliable and consistent stroke. The 1999 U.S. Open, 2007 Masters, and 2015 British Open champions all used, you guessed it, the Seymour Putter. So if you're ready to make more putts, take strokes off your game, log on to Seymour.com. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com, and put a Seymour Putter in your bag today. Yeah, like Joe said, check out the rifle scope technology that helped win now three majors in 36 tour events and counting because this year's British Open champion was using a Seymour putter. And it's going to help you make more putts, too. I know it's helping me. Check them out online at Seymour.com. And Seymour is S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com. And get one in your bag. You're going to be very glad you did. We are also sponsored by the French Lick Resort up in French Lick, Indiana. Folks, you want to talk about a spectacular resort to both play golf and to just sit back and relax and enjoy yourself. Well, you're not going to find a better place anywhere on the planet than the French Lick Resort. 
Go to FrenchLick.com and see for yourself. I had the privilege of taking my family up there back in June. We're already looking forward to the next time that uh, we get to get out there. The resort, it's historic. It's beautiful. It's got wonderful gardens out back behind the resort and a uh, relaxing rocking chair porch all across the front. And the golf, my friends, oh, my goodness, the golf. The Pete Dye course there is kept in championship condition year-round, and they could be ready to host a major championship there at a moment's notice. This year, they hosted the Senior PGA Championship and the LPGA Legends Championship. So if you've ever wondered, what would it be like to play in major championship conditions? You can do it there at the Pete Dye course year-round. They also have the Donald Ross design course there that is fantastic. It's the site of Walter Hagen's PGA Championship victory back in 1924. They've also got the Valley Lynx course on the property that dates back to 1907. So the French Lick Resort needs to be on your list of places to stay and play. And oh, by the way, my friends, there's a casino right there on the property as well. For more information and to book your stay, go to FrenchLick.com. Also want to give our shout out. You hear me say it every week on the show now, my friends, the folks over at Allen Edmonds, makers of top quality made in the USA shoes. Folks, the shoes of great leaders from the Oval Office to corner offices, the stage and screen and promising cubicles all around the country are a part of what make people successful. The right footwear is important on the carpets and the hardwood floors of our global economy. Get it right with made in the USA quality and value from Allen Edmonds. Allen Edmonds is an American original. They've been making shoes right here in the U.S. in Wisconsin since 1922. Check them out online at allenedmonds.com. Let's also kick today's show off like we do every single week on Next on the Team. That's by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. We want to thank all of you for your daily sacrifices, for what you do every day to keep the rest of us safe. We also want to thank our veterans for all you've done for us over the years. We truly appreciate everything that our military personnel do to preserve our freedoms and our liberties. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's an honor for us to have Next on the T be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. Also want to remind our veterans, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. What a wonderful site with news and articles and a wealth of information designed specifically for our veterans. I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial. Please go check it out and then bookmark it, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now back with me on the Seymour Putters guest line is Alan Edmonds CEO, Paul Grangard. Let me remind you about Paul's background. Earned his bachelor's degree at Stanford and his MBA at the University of Chicago. He spent 19 years as an investment banker at uh, Piper Jeffrey. He's been the president and CEO of Allen Edmonds Shoe Corporation for the last seven years. And you hear me say it every week on the show, just like you heard me say it a moment ago. The Allen Edmonds Company began handcrafting shoes made here in America, folks, back in 1922. So they've been doing it for 93 years now. They were on the verge of bankruptcy in 2008 when Paul took over, so we led quite a turnaround there. They partner with Jack Nicholas to make some outstanding uh, golf shoes. They're the most comfortable, comfortable golf shoes I've ever worn. I promise you that. There's so much more to Allen Edmonds, though. And uh, like we talked about last time when Paul joined me back in August, you heard us talking about some very cool other items that they have. That You know, you, you know this got my attention, folks. They're Three River Stadium insert cufflinks. And baseball fans, you want to check out their game-used authentic baseball cufflinks as well. And many other very cool items on AllenEdmonds.com. And I am honored to have their CEO, Paul Grangard, back and next on the tee with me again this morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Better now that you're Good. here with me on the show. 
Uh, you know, I, I want to join you in saluting your listeners uh, and thanking them very much for their service to our country. We're all in great debt to them. So uh, it's, uh, it's right. always a pleasure to be on your show, uh, knowing who's, who's listening in. So thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. And, Paul, you know, this time of year, you know, it's the time that we, we get, you know, a special time to enter our uh, honor our veterans. We should be doing it year-round. Every time we see a member, you know, of the military or our veterans, we should be thanking them just as a course of, you know, daily business. But this time of year in particular, we're thanking our veterans for their tremendous sacrifices, as you mentioned, for all of us. So I wanted to start out our time today by talking about a wonderful line of shoes and boots you guys have available now, honoring both a great generation of people in this country and for our listeners here on the Armed Forces Radio Network, a line that honors our veterans as well. Tell everyone about your Normandy collection. Yeah, you know, uh, we developed this boot. We were thinking about doing a vintage collection, and we were already well uh, on our way to finishing the development of the boot. And I had just been on a trip that I had wanted to do for decades to get to the beaches in Normandy and tour the D-Day museums there. And, um, my wife and I had been there with a, another couple good friends of ours. And when we came back, I was looking at this boot, and I said, you know, that looks exactly like a paratrooper boot, an army boot from uh, from World War II. So um, I like to name the shoes. I'd like to think of some way we can connect the shoe to its name and maybe to some of our customers and what they're interested in. And, you know, many of our customers, very educated people, leaders, as you said, in all walks of life. And they are very aware and and respectful of what uh, the armed forces achieved in saving the world in 1945 and um, 1944. So we named it the Normandy Boot, and it's been our best-selling boot of the fall. It's also our number two best-selling shoe overall. So it's extremely popular. It's it's a great look. Uh, they, They are made out of antelope leather. It's called kudu leather. So they're really soft, and they look like uh, you know they look like they are 70 years old when you get them out of the box. Even though it's a brand new shoe, the sole is um, made to look vintage, and you put them on, and they are comfortable right off the bat. And it's just a great look, and uh, people are loving them. We're getting great comments on them, and I'm very excited about it because we're also getting great comments about exactly what I had hoped, which is you know the. Uh, honoring of the greatest generation. We've made that clear on our website as to what we were trying to do here and um, with the name and also the look of the boot. And then uh, we're, we're getting great letters from customers also excited about it. No, oh, that's fantastic, and I tell you what, it look you know to your point, it, 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 the look is very interesting to me because as you point out, it, it looks vintage when you pull it out of the box. It looks like it's you know sort of you know game used, if you will. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know what? What a wonderful not and not only just a boot, right? You've got you know you got some dress shoes that look you know very similar as well. Yeah, out of the same leather, we've got some uh, dress shoes that uh, uh, you know look like an old vintage. They're not called them the. Uh, the overlord just to tie it into the whole uh, Normandy history, but um, you know, they don't look particularly like uh, officer shoes. We made officer shoes in World War II, but um, they're just a, a vintage looking shoe. Again, you put it on and it, they go great with jeans and, you know, other kind of casual wear uh, or office casual, business casual kind of pants. Uh, but they do look like they're you know right out of the 1940s, which is a really cool thing. It really is. 
And, yeah. and Paul, you heard me mention in your intro, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your sports collection of gifts. Uh, you know, as a kid from yeah. Pittsburgh, you know, I love those Three River Stadium cufflinks. And as a Red Sox fan, I'm drooling over the Fenway Park Wood set of cufflinks. You've got similar ones from the, from Veterans Stadium. Talk about the other rare gift items that people are able to find on AllenEdmonds.com. You know, we're um... – one of the things we like to do is we think we understand who our customer is. He's, you know, an all-American guy, plays leadership roles, has a lot of diverse interests, and sports tends to be a very important one. As I mentioned earlier, history and respect for the country, a level of patriotism tends to run through our customer base. Um, but when it comes to sports, you know, we have a lot of fun kind of discovering products that make for great gift items. And you mentioned these cufflinks that are made out of uh, old wooden box seats from some of the great stadiums around the country, great Major League Baseball stadiums. We also have cufflinks that are parquet floor from the Celtics, Boston Gardens floor when they changed the floor out. Uh, we got some of those. We've got some um, game-used bats uh, where the handle of the bat or a part of the barrel of the bat has been turned into a, a bottle opener, which is great to have around the house. We've you mentioned Walter Hagen in, in French Lick and his PGA Championship to, uh, win there. We've mm-hmm. got uh, some club heads, you know, old true wood woods uh, that have been turned into uh, bottle openers. And, um, you know, my favorite is a Wilson Staff iron that uh, it just looks like the old classic iron. It's fun to have around the house. I wouldn't be able to hit it anymore, but uh, <laughs> we're on the end, end of a club, but... It's amazing how small those things look. The woods especially are really funny. You get this driver, it's, it's you know, about three inches wide. The sweet spot's about, you know, three-quarters of an inch, and you just you look at that in comparison to what we play with today. It's really kind of funny, and it's great to have them. You know, I get comments from my friends when they come over, you know, how fun it is to have something like that. You can, you can get a can opener made out of pizza, you know, tin, but these things are, are really fun to have around. And then uh, – something that's new for us this year. All these things make great Christmas gift items. Um, But uh, one of the new things we've got that, for me, with my history uh, fascination, um, we've got pens that are made out of wood from some of the greatest buildings in our country's history. When they get remodeled, uh, especially, uh, or, you know, refurbished in some way, uh, we've got pens from uh, the Appomattox Courthouse, uh, we've got pens from, you know, where the Civil War ended. We've got uh, pens from Independence Hall in Philadelphia. We've got pens from the White House. I mean, it kind of boggles the mind to think of, you know, this might be from a floorboard that Thomas Jefferson stood on. And uh, right. and they're not that they're not that expensive, you know. They're not uh, cheap, but they're, you know, they come in a very nice case with a description, authenticity certificate. And we just discovered this man in the I think he's in New York, who um, came up with this idea. The wood usually sits in warehouses because they don't know what to do with it. They don't want to throw it away, but uh, they don't know what to do with it. And he buys it from them with the promise that he'll turn it into these keepsakes. So that's another fun thing for the holidays. We're very excited about getting into the holiday period here. We've got so much uh, to offer up besides our great shoes, Uh, sweaters that we can that we've had made out of Italian yarns and they're just beautiful uh, sweaters, either V-neck or uh, um, quarter zip sweaters. Great for wearing on the golf course. Uh, 
So lots of good yeah. stuff. I'm excited about uh, it's a beautiful fall day here today in the upper Midwest. The courses are all going to close on Monday. Uh, make sure that they get the tarps on the greens in case it snows sometime soon and um, just to ward off the damages that come from frost this time of year. So I got one more round to me tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that, Chris. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Holy cow, I can't believe it's uh, it's about time to wrap up the golf season. It's uh, it's disappointing, I'm sure, but you know, good luck well, in, the, in that final south. Yeah, exactly right. And, and, and Paul, before before we get off the topic of of the you know the sports side, I just want to throw out to, to wet the whistle of our listeners you know, about some of the other stuff that they're going to find. You know, Alabama fans, you're going to find game used helmet cufflinks. Oakland Raider fans, you're going to find game used football cufflinks. For our NHL fans out there, you're going to find game used plexiglass bottle openers. Ohio State fans, you're going to find stadium wood bottle openers. Shea Stay plastic seat cufflinks in Yankee Stadium. Wood seat cufflinks, Madison Square Garden. You talked about the the Boston Garden, Madison Square Garden floor bottle opener. So so much more that you're going to find. So great stuff. Check it out. You can find it on AllenEdmonds.com. And and Paul, you sort of mentioned a moment ago as well about some of the historical items that you have available. You know, for for people like my father who are not only sports fans but also history buffs. You know, you've got a pen there from the from the Lincoln Law Office. You got Stonewall Jackson's prayer tree. Pen. You've got some Civil War era cufflinks and the Appomattox Courthouse pen. It, it, tell a little bit more. You talked about history and patriotism. It doesn't get more historic and patriot than some of these things. Talk about those items as well. Yeah, it's just uh, it's amazing. You don't really think about the fact that uh, everything wears out, and if we want to preserve some of these uh, great historical parts of our um, country's history, you know, they have to be remodeled, just like. You know, we've, I'm standing in a room at our house that we remodeled, and uh, when you do, you, you have to tear out the old stuff and put in some new wood. And, and um, these are uh, pieces of history that have been turned into, you know, on a lathe, and they're very, very beautifully done. And you see the character of the wood. You know, you also think about the wood that was used, the old growth forests that were around the country in the 1800s and uh, 1700s and were turned into the White House, turned into the uh, Appomattox Courthouse, and then when it was uh, remodeled so it wouldn't fall down upon itself, you know, this wood becomes available and they turn it into a ballpoint pen or a, in some cases you get a you know real ink, beautiful ink pen. It's amazing stuff, really is. And they come with this yeah. authenticity and, you know, a picture of the building that they're taken from and a little story about, uh, you know, the building, and it's just, uh, you sit there and it makes, you know, we, we run in such a fast world now, we're also distracted by our, uh, uh, you know, our uh, mobile phones and the emails that are flowing in on them, whether we ask for those emails or not. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It's exactly, I get hundreds of emails a day. And it's easy to just kind of get wound up in... Uh, in the the very moment, um, and it's great to have something that causes you to stop and think about how we got here, the sacrifices yeah. that it took to get here, the hard work, you know, the people gave their lives to make sure that uh, you know, we'd have this great country. I've had a chance in the last uh, couple of months, actually, to hear from uh, an admiral who ran NATO and a former director of the CIA, and uh, both of them talked about, you know, how you protect our country in cybersecurity and the important role of the armed forces. And the other thing they talked about is, you know, how important it is for us 
to have a strong economy. And uh, that that's really our best defense is to have the strongest economy in the world. And uh, it's fun to be a part of a company that has bucked the offshoring trend and, you know, is able to authentically talk about made in USA and American styling and American products as Alan Edmonds. It's just been a great seven year uh, experience for me. I feel very honored to be a part of it and honored to have the customers that we have. And you mentioned earlier, um, you know, and I think we, what we're trying to do is expand people's knowledge about Allen Edmonds because you're much more than just a dress shoe company. And you talked about, you know, some of the casual shoes that, you know, you have and available to, you know, that look great with jeans and that sort of thing. You know, when, when I looked around on, on your site at some of the casual shoes, I, I love the Jingle Bell mock wingtip Oxford and, and the Voyager walking shoes for those who think, you know, you, you can't look good and be extremely comfortable, particularly this time of year as we start walking around and doing our holiday shopping. You know, you, you need to go check out those shoes on AllenEdmonds.com as well. Talk about the casual line of shoes that you guys have available. You know, one of the things that's the hallmark of our company, uh, you know, I, I like to say to people, this sounds kind of corny, uh, but not to your listeners, I hope, uh, but you know, if we're going to be the great American shoe company, we got to do what America has done when it's been at its best over the years, and that is go above and beyond, do things that other people either won't do or won't do anymore in other countries. And um, you know, a lot of the great casual shoes that uh, were were invented in the middle part of the 20th century, camp moccasins, boat moccasins, the, the people who made them, uh, penny loafers, they, they've sent their production overseas, they've continued to use cheaper and cheaper materials on those. And uh, we've decided we're going to bring some great American styles back in the casual realm and use the original great materials in them so they'll last a lot longer, they'll fit a lot better. In the case of our boat shoes and our camp moccasins, they, the leather is oil-infused so it repels water so much better. Uh, you know, it's great to have a boat shoe that actually uh, stands up to the water you might have on a boat. So uh, Right. Yeah, so one of the big offers we've got coming up for Black Friday uh, weekend, and we'll announce it on November 15th, are these really cool camp moccasins that, uh, you know, just look like the great New England camp moccasins of old, and they're made out of Corween leather tanned in Chicago, so another great American supplier, and we just really love these uh, shoes. They really look great, and they're 125 bucks uh, on sale, so we're going to really uh you know you, you can buy camp moccasins for less than that but not of this quality it's just really high quality shoe and great to wear and we've actually got a red one and a green one and if you buy you know both of them we're going to give them to you for two hundred dollars buy two get them for two hundred and then you can find a friend and uh, split the pair so you can go to your uh, holiday party wearing one green one and one red one <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, little, trying to have a little fun now and then. There you go. And, you know, uh, you, you talked about the, your sweaters a, a little bit ago. And as we get into the winter months and the golfers getting out, you know, trying to stay warm out on the golf course, of, you know, for areas of the country where you can play, you know, deep into the winter. You, you've also got a, you got a pub cap that I think is perfect for golfers to keep our heads warm when we're out there on the golf course when the temperature gets cold as well. Yep. That's just another one of our discoveries. It's you know made out of wool. It's got a leather brim on it, so it's a cool-looking cap whether you're golfing or just wearing it around in uh, the cooler weather to keep your head warm. Uh, that, that's a that's a fun item to have. 
in the store as well. So right. you know, we're, we're trying to, um, again, you know, men don't like to shop. They they don't go from spot to spot and and say I'm going to come back, you know, uh, later and and uh, pick up what I liked best after I spent four hours going up and down the mall. They got other <laughs> things to do most of the time. So right. uh, so we want to have stuff in our store and on our website that uh, you know can kind of outfit a guy and uh, make him feel like, all right, I got a lot done here in the last 10 minutes, and uh, now I'm set to go play golf or uh, you know, go for a run or spend time with the family, get some chores done, whatever it is, so that uh, shopping doesn't become too big a piece of the day. So, you know, we think, again, that we get that guy and what he's looking for. And when we discover something like those hats, we say, you know, let's, let's put them there for him. And if he wants one, great. There you right go. Yep. There you go. Uh, Paul, before we let you go, I mean, you know, for for the you know for the odd guy that's out there tripping around trying to figure out you know what he needs to get uh, you know for his you know on a shopping list or for himself or gifts and that sort of thing, you do have you do have some brick and mortar out there. Remind our listeners, uh, you know, where the Allen Edmonds stores are, and I think you've got a couple that have opened either recently or about to open. Yeah, we're about to open in Roosevelt Field in New York and also in Pentagon City uh, in Washington, D.C., yet in the next uh, two, three weeks. So we've uh, we've got a couple new stores coming online, but we're in major metropolitan areas all around the country. There's There aren't many that we haven't yet gotten into, but we've got uh, uh, 57 stores now open around the country, several in the Washington, D.C. area, several in the New York area, three in Boston, three in Chicago, two in Atlanta, two in Houston, two in Dallas, uh, Arizona and Phoenix, and um, Southern California at South Coast Plaza. We're in uh, San Francisco on Sutter Street, you know, just the two here in uh, Minneapolis, my hometown. So we've, we've got a lot of uh, St. Louis, New Orleans, Lots of good places to go uh, check out our stores. They're all uh, described on, on our website, alanedmonds.com. There you go. And, Paul, remind our listeners how they can follow both you and Alan Edmonds over social media as well. Well, I write a blog. It's been a while since I sat down to do it, but uh, it's all on our website, www.alanedmonds.com. We're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, the key is just to uh, know how to spell Alan Edmonds. It's two L's, E-N, and then it's E-D-M-O-N-D-S. There you go. Paul, thank you so much for joining me again this morning. Always enjoy having the opportunity to catch up with you and learn what you guys are doing and, and, and you know, to spend some time hearing your, th- your thoughts and insights. And if you're ever down in the Atlanta branch, please let me know. I'd, be, I'd love to catch up with you there uh, in person as well. But thanks for taking the time this morning and, uh, and being a part of the show. Thank you, Chris. I always appreciate the opportunity. And again, thank you to your listeners for all they do for our country. Thank you, Paul. Look forward to catching up with you hopefully again real soon. In the meantime, all the best to you and everyone at Allen Edmonds, my friend. Yeah, thanks very much, Chris. Bye-bye. All right. Take care, Paul. Paul Grandgard, CEO of Allen Edmonds. And I'm telling you, folks, that sports collection is dynamite. The great stuff that they have on there. You'd be surprised what you get to see there, not only from a sports collection, but from a historical perspective, too. Those things are absolutely outstanding. I'm telling you, I'm drooling over the Three River Stadium and the Fenway Park things. At, uh, and, the, and the Normandy boots, you know, if you haven't seen them on there, again, allenedmonds.com. 
what a wonderful tribute to a great generation of Americans and a, and a tribute to all of our military personnel. It's a, they're a wonderful style of boot and, uh, and dress shoe as well. So be sure to go there and check it out. All right, before we get to our next guest, Tom Patry, we're going to hear a word from our friends up at the French Lick Resort. And then on to Tom. Can't wait to hear some of his thoughts, stories, and insights as well. So hang in there with us. You just can't beat this weather. The leaves are starting to change. It's the perfect time to get away to French Lick Resort and play the courses the champions play. This year, the Pete Dye course at French Lick has hosted the Senior PGA Championship and the Legends of the LPGA Championship. Play our Donald Ross course and feel like 1924 PGA champion Walter Hagen. Fall is the perfect time to play the courses the champions play at French Lick Resort. Book our Hall of Fame package now at FrenchLick.com. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now joining me on the Seymour Putters guest line is one of Golf Magazine's top 100 instructors, Tom Patry. Let me give you some more background, though, on Tom. He grew up in Middle Island, Long Island, New York. In 1973, he won the Long Island Boys Championship and the Long Island Private Schools Championship. In all, he won 15 junior events during, uh, during the course of his junior career. Played his college golf at Florida Southern, where he was a two-time first-team All-American. In 1981, he led Florida Southern to the Division II National Championship, and he won the individual honors as well. Tom turned pro and played professionally from 1981 to 1988 in the U.S., Mexico, Canada, Europe, and South Africa. He later became the director of golf instruction at Westchester Country Club, site of the Westchester Classic and several other PGA and LPGA Tour events. He's been named the Teacher of the Year practically everywhere he's been throughout his uh, golfing career. Golf Magazine has named him a Top 100 Teacher every year since, uh, since the year 2000. And I am extremely honored that he is up and next on the tee with me this morning. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for joining me. Chris, thanks for having me. That was a, that was a lot of uh, accolades for someone who's not very talented, but thank you. <laughs> well, for someone who's not very talented, you sure tur- turned it into a lot of wins and a lot of accolades. So good for you, my uh, friend. I, I, you, know, you know, Chris, I, I've been really lucky. I've been, uh, I've been mentored by a lot of wonderful people in the game, uh, people that are common household names that have taken time and a lot of care with me over the years, so I've been pretty blessed, but thank you. And, Tom, I want to start out our time this morning kind of going all the way back to the beginning. At what age did you start playing the game of golf, and who was the first person to put a club in your hands? You know, Chris, I, I uh, it was kind of a, a freaky story. Uh, my dad was in the restaurant business, and in, in uh, 1972, um, I was 11 years old, and he, he bid on a restaurant and catering concession at a public golf course on Long Island. My dad was not an athlete didn't play golf, and part of the job when he when he won the bid was there there was a house that came with the job on the club, on the club grounds, and uh, and you know one one morning this eleven year old woke up and looked out the door and there were guys with funny colored pants and and uh, funny colored shirts and balls and clubs, knocking this thing around the field and I uh, never had seen it in my life, didn't know anything about it, never even heard about it in my life, and uh, and I uh, not soon after that found a broken, somebody had broken a Sam Sneed Blue Ridge Wilson 5-iron over their knee, and it was broken half, and I picked it up and slid a grip on it, and that's how it started. So it was kind of a wow, an absolute uh, freak show, actually, and uh, probably maybe the luckiest day of my life. And Tom, you know, you started winning events in your in your early teens, but, you know, I'm curious, was, was there a moment in time when you realized, you know what, hey, I could be pretty good at this? 
you know, Chris, golf is, as you know, is infectious. It's a, it's, it's a crazy sport that's, you know, I liken it to heroin. If, 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 you, if you do it one time, you're probably not going to get away from it, you know. And uh, I remember that first day going to the range with that Sam Steep Blue Ridge 5-iron and, and put it on the tee and didn't know anything, you know, had a split grip and just took a swing at this thing. And about the third or fourth ball, I happened by complete accident <laughs> to catch the ball right in the middle of the club face and up in the air and went. And, that, and at that moment, I was infected. Now, as far as knowing where I end up now, you know, the thing obviously was a, it was a transgression of, of a lot of different events, but, you know, I was in love with the game the first time that first ball went up in the air. So it's, it's been a long, it's been a long courtship. And, you know, Tom, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, another top instructor from uh, the state of New York, Cindy Miller on the show. And Cindy is from up near Buffalo and she played her college golf down at the university of Miami. And I asked uh, Cindy, you know, how a kid from Buffalo ends up playing her college golf down at Miami. And she was like, really, you really want to know you're really wondering why I would leave Buffalo to go play in Miami. So, I'm going to ask you the same dumb question. Was was there more to it for you than just the the obvious, you know, better weather and perhaps, you know, better scenery around the beaches for you for why you chose to go play your college golf down at Florida Southern? Well, you know, because you know, it's funny. College golf has changed so radically over the last 15 or 20 years. You know, when, when the University of Illinois and, and you know, Ohio State and St. John's in New York and so many good northern schools are now fielding wonderful golf teams with indoor facilities and travel, um, it was very different back then. I mean, if you wanted to play at a higher level, you had to get out of the north. You know, it was it just it wasn't a, it was a different time in the game. It was a certainly a different time in college golf. So, as as in love with the game as I was, and how as infected as I was with the competition, I, I wanted to go somewhere where I could excel and, and try to develop myself into the best player I could be. And, and I knew I had to get I knew I had to get somewhere south to do that. So in, in 1980, Tom, you, you guys were the runner-up in the national championship, uh, finishing behind Columbus State. You finished second individually, and you guys come back the next year in 81, and you you won by an amazing 35 strokes over at Texas State, and you took the individual honors, winning that by four strokes. So take me through coming close to 1980 and the resolve that you guys had and the team had you know, to get back there in 81 and not just win it, but blow everyone off the course. Well, Chris, you've, you've done your homework. <laughs> Not many people would know <laughs> that about a Division II national championship. You know, we came very close in, uh, in in 1980, and it was a very, very good team. Probably uh, as a Division II team, a team that was very competitive, probably in the top 20 in Division I those two years. Uh, we had a really fine team, and uh, it, it stung very badly. And I, I actually made a bogey on the last hole, leaving about a eight-footer right in the middle of the cup short, uh, right on the front lip, Um to lose by a shot individually. So to think about that um, event for 365 days um, was, was, was a strong motivator. Um, and we went back next year, and obviously what you don't know about that is when we won by 35 shots next year, after the first round we were nine behind. So we won, We really made a 44-shot move in three rounds. Um, wow. And, uh, and I, I played well. We, we, had a guy, we had guys in that event finish. I finished first. A teammate finished third. One finished seventh, and one finished 11th in the same event. So we had a pretty strong squad, and we had played very good golf that entire year. One of the great things about Florida Southern at that time and NCAA golf at that time is our coach, Charlie Matlock, uh, God bless him, he, he put together almost a completely Division One schedule up to nationals. So when we got to – Nationals in Division Two, uh, the competition wasn't very intimidating because we had been playing against Florida and Florida State and Georgia and Alabama, 
and Texas and Oklahoma State and, and, and North Carolina and whoever at Wake Forest, whoever else won the name. So when we got to a Division II national championship, it wasn't a very intimidating uh, scene for us. And you're talking about playing great golf earlier that year. Just prior to to the championships, you went back to Long Island and you won the William D. Richardson Memorial Golf Tournament, which was a match play style event. You're 22. You beat a guy, Bob Housen, who's 42, two and one in the finals. You were down two after eight holes, and you, you go on, you win the next five holes. What, what do you remember about that event? And did that give you the confidence and the momentum that you needed to carry over to win the, the D2 National Championship? Chris, you clearly don't get very much sleep, son, because that, that, nobody should know that in the whole world. Um, uh, yeah, you know, first of all, Bobby Housen, Bobby Housen was, a, was a, if I remember right, you've probably done research, an eight- or nine-time New Jersey amateur champion and a right. very, very fine player and an absolute and an absolute gentleman, by the way. And uh, and I, I, had, I had played well uh, just before that in our, in our spring season in a couple of events. I had a couple of high finishes and, and I'd been playing pretty well, and I – I got invited to the Richardson, which is kind of a big deal event in, in the Northeast, and, and went back up there. Was just thrilled to be playing in the event, and, and I got into uh, into match play, and I got on a little bit of a roll, and then uh, you know uh, nobody really expected me to beat Bob Housen, and, and um, really got off to a kind of a slow start in the round, and in the middle of the round, I got kind of kind of cranked up a little bit, and and. Uh, and obviously, he was was very fortunate to be such a nice player. But uh, yeah, it gave me a ton of confidence, and and also gave me a ton of confidence being being that the Nationals that year were in in uh, Simsbury, Connecticut, outside of Hartford, so we're on bent grass greens, which I was accustomed to, and, and playing you know in, on a golf course that was relatively tight, which you know was 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 in my wheelhouse, you know things I'd grown up with. So I, I was in a very comfortable setting for a couple weeks in a row there, and and, uh, and and got quite lucky and got on a nice roll at the right time. Fast forward several years, 1992, you get a call from someone with the Sun State, uh, Sunshine State Conference, the conference that Florida Southern plays in, telling you that you're going to be inducted into, into their Hall of Fame. What was, what was that night you know, that night like for you, getting to stand up there and be recognized like that, not only just by your school, but by the entire conference? Chris, do you, do you sleep at all, Chris? <laughs> do you ever go to sleep? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I was inducted into two Hall of Fames in two years, the, the School Hall of Fame, the School Athletic Hall of Fame, and, and the Conference Hall of Fame. And and I, I said the same thing to the commissioner of the conference that night that I said to the, the athletic director of the school. I asked them if they, you know, if, they, if they'd made a mistake. Um, it, it was a, obviously a great honor. You know, those, those kind of things that happen in your life you know, when you're recognized by your peers, by your by your own school, by your conference, uh, you know, they're special things. And, and, you know, nothing in comparison to, a you know, obviously to a, a baseball Hall of Fame or an NFL Hall of Fame, anything like that. But it's certainly nice to be recognized anytime you're recognized by your peers and, and by and by people that uh, are around you and care about you. So it, it was an awful lot of fun. Uh, it was it was a very humbling experience and uh, and, and and you know something I'll I'll always remember. It was, it was a lot. It was it was a neat a neat, a neat time. You were the uh, director of golf instruction at Westchester Country Club for 11 years, side of the Westchester Classic. People know it today better as the Barclays Classic. But back in the day, Westchester had some of the you know biggest name, biggest celebrity members, you know uh, of of the time. You know people like Carol Burnett and Johnny Carson, John Daly of What's My Line fame, not the golfer John Daly, and, and Jackie Gleason, just to name a few. 
were, were any of the celebrities there, either, you know, students of yours or people you got the opportunity to get out on the course with? You know, they were, they were before my time at that club. One of the things that you don't know about Westchester, maybe because maybe I can stump you on this one, is one of the great, great early things about Westchester is the first golf secretary at Westchester Country Club was Tommy Armour. And, wow. and one of the residents, one of the residents of the club uh, at the beginning of the, the beginning of its time was a guy named Walter Hagen. So the club yeah. had a lot of wonderful traditions in golf. And uh, I was, I was, it was probably the biggest break in my career when John Kennedy, who's still there actually, going to retire next year as director of golf, there hired me as his director of instruction. And John became a, a, a huge influence in my life, a big mentor in my life. Um, a father figure in my life or a big brother in my life, whatever you want to call him, but he's still a very dear friend of mine. He gave me a wonderful opportunity there and put me on a very big stage with with not a lot of experience at that time and kind of turned me loose and uh, let me do my thing. And uh, it really changed my my entire life uh, in, in terms of my professional life. And I'll be every, forever be grateful to both John and, and to the club for what they did for me. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. It's a, it's a big old dinosaur uh, a, a wonderfully sophisticated place, two wonderful golf, Walter Travis golf courses, and uh, and you know being part of that place for 11 years with 11 Buick Classics and and being exposed to the players that came through and the teachers that came through, uh, and some of the people I got to work with there on their golf games, um, I developed a wonderful relationship while I was there with a guy named Sebi Ballesteros, uh, wow. which, which really which was really a, a magical couple of uh, seasons for me there. So. You know, Westchester is a very, very fond memory for me, and and uh, it it it's a very, very, very special place in my heart. Tom, I was looking over your site, TomPatry.com, and for for our listeners, it's P-A-T-R-I. So TomPatry.com. You've got listed on there as one of your favorite sites. Our good friend Peter Kessler's site. Talk about your relationship with Peter. Peter Kessler is a, uh, in my world anyway. I can only speak for myself is somebody who's incredibly missed in terms of the Golf Channel. And, and I'm going to get in a lot of trouble now, Chris, but I think the Golf Channel has done uh, the, the channel itself and, and the golf world a terrible disservice um, dismissing him. Uh, he, he's a extremely talented guy. Um, it, it was a, It's a really funny story. I read a little tiny blurb, uh, maybe a, a three-sentence blurb in, in, a, in a golf publication when the golf channel was uh, just an idea in the in the mind of Joe Gibb and Arnold Palmer, and I wrote Mr. Gibb a letter, uh, a cold call letter, and I said, if this ever happens, I'd love to come on and be part of the channel. And two years later, when it actually aired, I got a, a wonderful phone call from Joe Gibb and said, Tom, that's going to happen. Somebody's going to be in touch with you. And I, I got to go on. Uh, I guess I've been on three or four or five times, but uh, I think three of the five times I was on with Peter. Uh, you know, so it was the early days of Golf Academy Live, and uh, the man just couldn't have been any nicer to me, couldn't have been any more welcoming to me, couldn't have made you feel more comfortable, was a wonderful interviewer um, and, a, and a very good uh, researcher, as you are, Chris. And uh, and that exposure, obviously, was was a big help to me in my career as well. So, again, I'm, 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 I'm sounding a little sentimental here, but Peter Kessler, like Westchester Country Club, holds a special place in my heart. I think he's a wonderfully talented person. No, I couldn't agree with that more. He is a wonderfully talented person, and we do miss him. You know, I, I, it, it does boggle my mind as well how Peter is not hosting a show somewhere, whether it's on the Golf Channel or or any other channel, you know, for that matter, ESPN Classic or you know any of the the regular channels. I mean, Peter is Peter's knowledge of the game of golf is is, is you know, no no one matches 
Peter's knowledge of the game of golf from from what's going on, you know, in the game today to to its history. And uh, no one tells a better story and is a better host of anything. No, I, than Peter I agree, Chris. I think I think I think you know, network TV, cable TV, you know, major major maybe PJ Tour radio is 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 a real swing and a miss about Peter somewhere present in the golf world doing his thing. Agreed. Tom, I'm curious, you know, you played, you know, professionally, you know, all over the world, as we talked about in your, in your intro, ultimately you decided to to teach instead. Why? Well, you know, cause I, I was, I always liken that when I get, ever I get that question from my junior students or from my, any of my students or any people in my life, I, I was the, um, the white six foot one point guard in the NBA. I was about three inches, um, too short, a little bit too slow, and couldn't jump quite high enough, you know. And I, I was real close. I was real talented. I was real good, but I just wasn't good enough. And I gave it a, a really hard, you know, almost eight-year try out there. You know, better part of seven-year try out there. And I, I worked my, I worked my butt off, and and uh, I had some really nice finishes and some nice events, but I, I wasn't good enough. And at some point, you have, to, I think, as a, as a, as a preacher of reality to other people, you have to wake up one morning, look in the mirror, and say. It's time to you know it's you give it a try. It's time to move on. And seven years plus was was more than an ample try. Uh, I really, Chris, truthfully, never ever pictured myself being a teacher. Uh, it's funny. The story is that when I when I woke up that morning and made that decision, and there wasn't actual there actually was a morning in an occurrence when I made that decision. I didn't know what I was going to do. I did not see myself at a golf club as a head professional or as a teacher. I just didn't see that. And for two years, uh, I interviewed on Wall Street. I interviewed in Madison Avenue. I, I interviewed for sales positions. And I was offered a lot of nice positions. And I ultimately, I couldn't let go of the game. Uh, and and the same man at Westchester Country Club, John Kennedy, gave me an opportunity at a place called Cold Spring Country Club a couple of years before in Long Island to teach. And... And I, I got to tell you, I thought I was horrible at it. I thought I was absolutely horrible and, and, and struggled with it. And then there was another occurrence in my life and another person entered my life that changed my view on that and, and mentored me that, that made a big difference. And we can talk about him at some point if you'd like. But there was, you know, there's a couple of forks in everybody's lives, I think, a couple of forks in the road in everybody's lives that changed where they're going dramatically. And John Kennedy and this other person were two people that made, made all the difference in the world to me. And Tom... Before we let you go, we've got our next guest, Carling Nolan, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Carling here in just a minute, but we can't we can't let you go without getting a playing lesson from you. For those of us, you know, getting ready to go play golf this weekend, what's what's one of your favorite tips that can help us save a few strokes off our game or shave a few strokes off you know, our game? I don't, I don't, you know, Chris, I don't see very many people playing golf in balance. You know, I mean, I think that I think that we've been so infected and so. Uh, so marketed by the distance craze um, with equipment and balls and everything else that goes along with it that, that you know, not many people have very many solid shots in the center of their club face. And usually that's a byproduct of them being out of balance and swinging at a, at a pace that they can't really control. It's like writing a check that you can't cash. So if, if they did nothing else but go to, the, go to the range and found a tempo that allowed them to stay in balance, I think they'd find the center of their club face a lot more often center of the fairway a lot more often and center of the green a lot more often and they'd really enjoy the game a lot more. Well, that's good advice. And and Tom, like, like I say, you, you've got a wonderful website, tompatry.com. Let our listeners know what they can find when they go out to your site. Well, you know, on my site, Chris, there's not only a lot of information about the golf swing itself and, and, uh, and how to get better, but um, there's a lot of information about my teaching there, my philosophies there, uh, the six-spoke approaches there, which is, is my cornerstone 
um, and a lot of information about my schools and my teaching both in Naples and on the road to there. So if, if anybody would like to get better, that would probably be a pretty good place to start. There you go. And, Tom, how can our listeners also follow you over social media as well? Uh, Facebook page, you know, obviously, um, facebook.com backslash Tom Patry. Uh, there's, a, there's a Twitter feed. There's a LinkedIn feed. Uh, and everything's available to connect to through my website, which is tompatry.com. All the links are right there. So, yeah, jump in, ask some questions, post, make some posts, and, uh, and, and let's get this thing rolling. There you go. Tom, thank you so much for joining me this morning. It was great having you as part of the show. I hope you'll come back soon and talk more about, you know, some of your stories and insights. Plus, you know, you can talk more about who your mentor was and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, you were fantastic. I hope you'll come back. Chris, I'll come back anytime you want. It's, you know, you know, we don't know each other. You called me, and I'm happy to come on. The thing that really cued me to come on more than anything else was the link to Armed Forces Radio. God bless those people. Absolutely right. Thanks, Tom. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to the opportunity of hopefully catching up with you again real soon. Anytime, Chris. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, Tom. That's Golf Magazine top instructor Tom Patry. Again, his, his site, TomPatry.com. Great stuff from Tom. You know, what, what a wonderful career that he had, you know, from the time in junior golf through his time at, at, at Florida Southern. And then as, a, as every year, folks, top 100 teacher since the year 2000. Great stuff from Tom. Look forward to having him back on the show, hopefully again real soon. We've got our next guest, Carling Nolan, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Carling on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now back with me on the Seymour Putters guest line is Carling Nolan. Let me remind you about Carling's background. She's from Middletown, Ohio, which is in the southwestern part of Ohio. Started playing golf at the age of 11. She won the Ohio State High School Championship in 2002 and played her college golf at Ohio State, where she was a three-time All-Big Ten player and named Freshman of the Year in 2005. She was the individual runner-up at the 2006 Big Ten Conference Championship. She won the Golf Channel's Big Break Sandals Resort in 2010, winning the final event thanks to a 25-foot birdie putt on the 17th hole. Last year, she played out on the Symmetra Tour, known as the, uh, formerly known as the LPGA's Developmental Tour. The Bleacher Report ranked her as the ninth uh, out of the top 25 hottest golfers ever on the big break. And while uh, Women's Fitness ranked her number two in the top 10 sexiest women golfers in the world, and I think both sold her short, by the way, she's now the co-host of TV shows 18 Holes with Jimmy Hanlon, which can be seen on Fox Sports around the country, and I'm honored to have her back with me and next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Carling. How are you, my friend? Hey, Chris, doing good. How you doing? I'm fantastic, thank you. Better now that you're here. <laughs> Stop it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carling, be- before we get into talking about the show and, you know, things, you know, on on the golf course, I got to know, your boys Ohio State, they going to repeat this year or is it the is the back and forth between the quarterbacks finally going to get you? I don't know. It's been a tough year. I I like seeing Braxton Miller in there, though. He's got a lot of talent. I, I think he's going to take us all the way. All right. But that's just me. I, I mean, I'm not biased or anything. Being Ohio of State course you're not. Guy. Don't be silly. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to the Michigan-Ohio State game this year for the first time in a number of years. Now that Harbaugh is, is, is you know, turning the Michigan program around, I'm sure you are part of a lot of Michigan-Ohio State weeks, which I hear is crazy. What's that like? Oh, it's it is so fun, you know, being at Ohio State during Michigan week. Um, actually, me and my roommates, uh, we used to body paint our entire body. 
scarlet and gray wow. every single year for the Michigan Ohio State game. Oh yeah, and you know. Um, when I was there, there was a year where Ohio State was ranked number one and Michigan was number two. It was the biggest game in the country. And yeah. uh, so all the students were – they were selling their student tickets for, like, hundreds of dollars. So uh, me and my roommate, we uh, spray-painted on the back of us. Um, I'd sell my soul before my tickets. And uh, <laughs> we went to the game. <laughs> and actually, uh, ESPN snapped a picture of us. And uh, we that were right? the fans of the week. Yeah, we were the fans of the week for ESPN. It was great. Oh my gosh, I wish you. I I, I want I want to put that on my resume. I love it so much. <laughs> That's fantastic. I got to Google that see if I can't find that picture. Yeah. Uh huh. So, Carling, you know, tell me now, how, how are things going with the show? Eighteen holes with Jimmy Hanlon. How's it going? Oh, we just capped off a great season this year. We just finished filming. Um, in the end of July, so we're getting ready for next season now, but uh, the 2015 season, which is still rolling on air, people will see the episodes now, um, it was great. We went to uh, 12 different resorts this year, and I think 10 of them were in the top 100 on Golf Digest, and uh, the other two were just outside of it. Um, Yet It was really interesting this year. We got to go to a lot of places that people have heard of, We've also went to a lot of cool places that people have not heard of. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, one of my favorites was we went out in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, uh, called Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho, and um, they had this floating green where you had to get in a boat and they would take you out to the green so you can putt out on this par three, and then they could oh like move the green in the lake everywhere. Oh Is my that gosh, right? it was really cool. Wow. And you know what? It yeah. sounds like it could be like it sounds like it could be almost kind of tacky, but they had big, huge, hundred foot trees on this thing, and like it just it was really impressive. So, um, seeing a lot of places like that made it just a really fun year. Are, are there places, are there golf courses, you know, that you know are on your bucket list that you know you haven't had the opportunity to play yet, or that you and Jimmy are looking as you as you you know fast forward ahead to the twenty sixteen season for you guys are there places that you're trying to get out there to play absolutely um i'm working on the schedule uh, for next year now and um there's a couple big ones obviously seeing the the pga championships at whistling Straits. i mean that whole week watching and i was like i just we have to get out there it's just too beautiful not to get out there so we've been talking to them and seeing if we can't make it happen but uh i just know uh, how do you not make that place look good on tv (laughs) right so, Carling, for all the work that you're doing on on the show, you're you know not only are you co-hosting the show, right, but you're also behind the scenes doing a lot of work. You talk about you know scheduling some things, but you know you're also doing some other things behind the scenes for the show as well, right? Yeah, I'm actually an executive producer on the show, so uh, I do pick the the shoot locations that we go to and uh, organize all the travel for us. And uh, right now, I'm working on uh, getting all the sponsors lined up for next year and. Uh, um, it's been a lot of fun getting behind the scenes and doing the business side of things. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I've spent a lot of time. I think it helps being a golfer because when you're on the golf course, all you do is play golf with businessmen all the time. And right. like my husband would make fun of me because all my friends were like 50 year old guys. I'm like, Bob <laughs> and Jim and Bill. And <laughs> so um, it's easy for me to talk to people like that. So, uh, so it's, it's been really fun. So this has got to be a launching pad for you, right? I mean, the Carling Nolan show on the Golf Channel or Fox Sports or wherever has got to be in the works, right? (laughs) 
hope so. If you guys want to all send a bunch of letters into Fox Sports saying that you'd like that, then uh, that would definitely help my case. But uh, but right now, I'm really I really like working with Jimmy and um, working with our whole crew. You know, the show started all the way. Um, it started out in Cleveland as a local golf show, and uh, Fox Sports ended up buying the show and putting it on nationally. But we kept the exact same cameramen, producers, and hosts, and so we're still just the same. Cleveland group of people traveling around the country trying to make it work. So, um, so it's really a blast. So, Carly, who are who are some of the you know really fun people that you've had an opportunity to you know both get to know and meet and then you know ultimately get to play some golf with, whether it's on the show or you know otherwise. Oh, geez, that's a good question. Um, you know, we actually went to Dodge City, Kansas, a couple weeks ago. And um, which is where they shot uh, Gunsmoke, the TV show. I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with that. It's a little older, but um, yeah, um, we went there for the show because they had the 60th year anniversary of Gunsmoke, and they had the entire cast out there at Dodge City, and uh, they wow. have a really nice golf course there called Mariah Hills. But uh, we went there. We got to meet uh, Burt Reynolds. And uh, just nice. what a cool guy. I mean, he's in his 80s now, but he's still just like suave as can be. And um, <laughs> and then there's another character on there called uh, Buck Taylor, who is uh, like a sheriff on the show. And uh-huh. uh, he's in his 70s now, and he came out and played some golf with us. But that whole week was really different for us because we really kind of just embraced the gun smoke theme. And, I mean, Jimmy had on his chaps. And the same guy played in like jeans and a cowboy hat, and we were like throwing guns, and it was just—it was so funny because it was so not golfy, but at the same time, it, meeting everyone in that cast was really legendary too. So um, it's it's fun to be able to do, you know, to have different experiences like that. No doubt, good for you. And kind of <laughs> along that lines, Carly, are, are are there celebrities or you know other golf legends that you're you're trying to work with to get out and you know have a part of the show and uh, you know to uh, you know learn more about them, whether it's at their home golf courses, you know that they that they've been at, or just you know really because you know God bless, I'd love to be able to you know have Arnold Palmer, whoever it is, on the show and 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 pick his brain for a while. You know, we actually we just started talking about that now. Um, the last couple of years, you know, we've it's really just been me and Jimmy focusing on right. these beautiful golf courses. Um, but I think what makes our show really successful, uh, I mean, it's been around for you know, way before me, almost 10 years, um, is it does change a lot every single year. And we want to continue that to really evolve. And, and I'd like to see a lot more guest celebrities on there in the next couple of years. Um I guess that we don't really have anyone specifically in mind now, but, you know, it's fun to have golf legends on there, but it's also kind of fun to have different athletes. Um, before yeah. on the show, we've had a couple, um, we've had um, a couple Cleveland baseball players come on and it's great because they can hit the ball like 400 yards because they're so strong. But um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting to have guests on there. Um, it is always kind of difficult when you throw in guests on a TV show though. Um, as you know, as you invite people on your radio show all the time, some people have huge personalities, but whenever, like, the camera suddenly goes on, they just, like, die inside, and yeah. they can't get two words out. <laughs> so we've run into that a lot in the past, where we're like, okay, here we are, and they're like, 
Oh, and so um, we have to make sure we have the right celebrity in there just to make sure it's still an exciting show because it is. it can be like pulling teeth sometimes. <laughs> no doubt. Carlin, you know, Sean McKeel, 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel has joined me almost every week over the last several months, and he's about to join me here in, in, in a few moments. And, and one of the things that, um, that we've talked about is, you know, I, I'd, I'd asked him a couple of weeks ago, you know, hey, I'm, you know, in today's world of social media, has anyone, you know, given you a hard time or, or you know, been, you know, been less than, than positive? with you. And then, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, it sort of opened up an, a, a, you know, a hornet's nest because two days later on, you know, as we were posting things, you know, we got negative comments uh, on the show. So I'm curious for you is, you know, someone who is out there as much as you are, how difficult it's, it's gotta be, you gotta hear all kinds of craziness from, uh, from folks out there. I'm sure, I'm sure you hear, you know, good things and I'm sure you hear bad things, but you know, do you find that, you know, people, you know, particularly over social media, are not as uh, kind as they should be? Um, well, I will say that about, I'd say 90% of the people are very kind and supportive, but uh, there's yep. that 10% that'll jab you right where it hurts. And yep. um, I'd say it was definitely the worst whenever I was on the big break um, because, you know, that was such a, a wildly popular show that people would um, message me all the time. And like I said, it was a lot of, I love you, Carling, blah, blah, blah. But then it was a lot of, yeah. like, um, I think you're really annoying. You remind me of my ex-girlfriend. Um, if I was ever around you, I'd punch you in the face. Like, just oh, all this geez. stuff. And you're like, wow, man, that's so harsh. Um, right. And then I get that a little bit. I get that a little bit now. People tell me that I'm all up in Jimmy's grill a lot on the show. They're like, leave him alone, really? man. Why are you all up in Jimmy's grill? And, uh, um, which is kind of funny because sometimes it affects me on set because we'll be standing there and the camera guy or the, the director will be like, okay, Carly, whenever Jimmy hits his shot here, I want you to step in the frame and comment right away. And I'm like, wait, 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 I don't want to be up in Jimmy's grill here. Okay. <laughs> and, so, uh, and they're like, don't listen to social media. And sometimes it'll be really vague too. Like one guy wrote me a couple of weeks ago and he said, what's up with your shoes? And I'm like, really? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I said, <laughs> and I'm thinking they're like literally like just white golf shoes. <laughs> so, the next week I'm walking around, I'm like, does anyone think there's anything weird in my shoes? Gosh, so you you gotta really let it go. You can't let it get to you. But I'm not the best at it, really. I, I listen a little too much. <laughs> That's great. And Carling, as as you sort of embark now onto you know your broadcasting career, when when you look at it, is is it have you you know has anyone mentored you in that area? Do you model your style after anyone in particular, or is this just you know I'm I'm shooting off the cuff here? <laughs> um, I'm shooting off the cuff a little bit, um, but you know my dad was a professional speaker. He actually taught a lot of classes on how to be how to be a speaker and um, look professional in front of groups. He did a lot of business setting things, but um, he taught me how to uh, do a lot of speech speech techniques. And uh, so I guess he really mentored me when I was a kid, especially because I was really really shy, and he really brought me out of my shell. So my dad was really the one that 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 inspired me. But now I'm just kind of winging it and uh, seeing if I can you know entertain some people. There you go. And Carling, <laughs> before we let you go, we, we've talked about this on uh, on other shows where you've joined me, but uh, I always like to shine a light on it when we have the opportunity. And that's people may not know that you you deal with diabetes, 
talk about the work you're doing for diabetes and how, you know, living with that and taking care of yourself, both, you know, whether it's on the course or off the course or on camera or off camera, what that's like for you. Oh, having diabetes is just a lifelong struggle. I have type 1 diabetes, so I wear um, an insulin pump that's hooked up to me uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, I test my blood sugar 10 times a day, watch what I eat, um, carry around snacks my blood sugar is too low. So, um, like I said, you just you never get a break from it. You're always on it, always checking, always staying on top of things. Um, November is uh, National Diabetes Awareness Month. So there you go. Kicked off, uh, yeah, we just kicked off breast cancer awareness, and now uh, it's diabetes awareness, which the color is blue. And uh, you can go on my Twitter page. I'm at Carling Nolan, and I'll be posting some more things about that, how you can get involved. And uh, we're really trying to get a good campaign to, you know, let people know that type 1 is very different from type 2 diabetes and uh, um, just trying to keep everyone informed. So uh, um, it's going to be a good month. Hopefully we get a lot done with it. Right. And Carling, before we let you go, let our listeners know how they can follow you and the show, by the way, both online and over social media as well. Well, if you want to check out the show, um, we're on all the Fox Sports regional networks. You can also go to jimmyhandlingolf.com, and then I'll show all the the golf shows that we're working with. Social media-wise, follow me on Twitter at Carling Nolan, or I just started an Instagram account. Um, So I'm trying to pick up my uh, followers. Yeah. It's uh, it's always interesting to go from like 20,000 Twitter followers. Now I have like a hundred on Instagram. So jump on there folks. <laughs> I'm at, at Carling Nolan 86 and uh, that's how you can get a hold of me. There you go. Carling, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to join me again on the show. Always so much fun. Like I said in, in the intro to the show, Every time you're on the show, I can't help but I, I smile for 15 minutes. So you guys, my face hurts because you make me smile so much. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of the show. We wish you continued success, you know, there and and everything else you're doing as well. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon. Thank you so much, Chris. You have a great day. All right, you too. All the best to you and your husband. Bye. That's Carling Nolan. Again, you know, you want to talk about, you know, a, a girl who, you know, is, went through junior golf and had such a great career at Ohio State playing golf there as well and is now doing some great things uh, on TV. Boy, Carling Nolan is, is the picture of that. Again, check her out at Carling Nolan on Twitter. She's doing some, some great things with the Jimmy Hanlon show uh, as well. So uh, great stuff there. All right, we've got our next guest, uh, Sean McKeel, ready to join us. He'll be uh, with me on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. All right, now back with me to answer more of your questions on the Seymour Putters guest line is our friend, 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. Sean, how are you this morning, my friend? I'm great. How are you this morning, Chris? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Sean. So, Sean, I know I, I saw the, the picture of you and your college uh, golf coach up at uh, the University of Indiana, uh, Sam Carmichael, uh, out there on social media. I know he was inducted this week into the Indiana Hall of Fame. Talk about what it was like to get to uh, get the opportunity to see your coach honored that way. Yeah, well, it's really been a long time coming. Um, you know, as I was sitting here in the airport, um, just been thinking a lot about last night. I, I got a chance to you know, see some of the uh, ladies that played for him. And, and many of them I didn't really know because I was, you know, I'm, you know, older. But I think just being there um, and seeing the support that he had 
so not only the, he, you know, the women's team, but also there were some guys from the, the men's team that have played. Um, and it was just an absolute honor. And to be honest with you, I got inducted in 2005. <clears throat> and it was really, it was only 11, what, I guess, you know, 14 years after I got out of college. And I always, I just always felt a little funny about that because, as I said before, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to where, um, you know, I've, you know, I wouldn't have been gone to the places I've been without Sam. And, um, and so I always felt like he should have been inducted into the hall of fame for me. Um, but you know, it was, uh, it was an incredible night. There were six, six inductees last night. There were two basketball players. Uh, both of them played for coach Knight um, in the 1976 uh, national championship team, which was probably the best college team in the history of college basketball that went undefeated. Um, so it was just great just to sit with him and his wife. And um, it, it was just a beautiful night. For anybody that's been to one of those ceremonies where you're honoring somebody else, uh, it gives you a chance to reflect on uh, really what he uh, he meant to meant to me. And I was interesting is they had called me in July and they asked me to do a video, kind of an introduction video. And I kind of stewed around for a while. I was like, what, what, what am I going to say? Because they, they wanted it under two minutes. And so I finally kind of came up with something. And um, thank goodness for technology, I was able to do it on my iPad on iMovie. Uh, but it was a little it was a little weird <laughs> wow. seeing myself speak to all those people while I'm sitting there watching it live. But it was uh, it was an honor to be asked to do that. And it was a privilege to even to be there with him. And um, we shared a lot of great moments. And it just was... It was an absolute delight to be there with him. And Sean, you say you're you're, you're sitting there in the airport. Um, you, you're coming. Are you coming back? You know, to or going back to your home in in Memphis, or are you on your way? You know, down to was it Jackson, Mississippi, to for the Web.com qualifying? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm no, I'm going to Houston right now. Um, I'm going to the Web.com qualifying school, which starts on Tuesday. Um, and so, yeah, so I leave there this afternoon. I was hoping to stay for the Indiana-Iowa football game, but it's kind of a weird time at 3.30 in the afternoon. It just doesn't allow me to do much with that. So heading down there, practice rounds start tomorrow, and, uh, you know, I'll take a couple of days to kind of unwind from uh, the festivities of the last couple of days. But, uh, you know, I look forward to playing a tournament. You know, it's been since the PGA Championship that I've, you know, had any sort of competition. So, um, I'm excited, uh, a little apprehensive, I suppose, too, um, you know, because uh, it's really important for me to, to make it through this time. I, I um, you know, it's just I, I need to make it. I need to get back on the web.com. I need more status. I need more playing opportunities. And um, so that's that. those are my goals. So um, I look forward to getting down there. Hopefully the weather's going to be good and, and uh, put up some low numbers. There you go. And you, you were sharing with me earlier in the week that you started practicing with an old bullseye style putter. Is that, is that something just to help you kind of get your stroke back in line or are you actually thinking about pulling that out of the bag this week? No, it's in the bag. I, you know, of course I I do have two other putters with me as well. And I have my backup putter, which is, the, which is my odyssey back strike that, you know, they don't make anymore, but it's, it, I used it for five years. Um, so it always goes with me in case things just kind of go awry. But, you know, I needed something, I think, just to kind of go back. And I felt like um, I feel like the putters today, um, particularly the mallets, there's a lot of mallets being designed, and they're all out there to convince you that you don't align yourself properly. And I think what happens is is that, you know, you have so many, you have such a, a big area, a, a 
surface area of material behind the ball with lines and angles, and some are curved, some have square lines. Um, but there's just a lot. It's just very busy. And when you go to a bullseye putter, you got a putter that's maybe, what, a half inch wide, maybe three-quarters of an inch wide if you have a flange, um, and it's just sitting out there. Um, you know, and Corey Pavin has used one most of his career, and I just wanted something, I think, just to, to simplify everything, just to to put down behind the ball and um, – uh, you know, just I think it just adds it's just a little bit easier to align. I think it's more of a feel type alignment than it is, um, you know, optics. When you when you look down and you see, you know, the center line or you got lines on the end and the toe. So I think think that the putters of today have gotten so busy, and I've kind of fallen prey to the marketing scheme that's out there, if you will, um, of <laughs> people convincing me that I don't know how to align my putter. Um, it's really kind of silly. I mean, I think if you took someone out of the putting green and you kind of just put them 10 feet from a hole and you intentionally intentionally line them up three or four feet right of the hole, they're going to look down. They're going to like, well, that's not right. So they're going to orient themselves um, back towards um, the hole. Now I know you're going to, you want to be precise and, and in the straight putt, it's, it's uh, you know, from 10 feet, it's hard, it's hard to line up exactly straight, but um, your mind um, it's like a, it's like when you turn on your airplane and you start to power up the, the GPS. You know, it takes a while to orient itself, but once it does, it finds itself and it knows where you are. Um, it just, I think, it just frees you up, and, then, and that's maybe not a great analogy, but um, again, it's just about feel, and the, and, the, and this and this putter seems to help. So, I'll give it a, ch- a chance. I know the greens are going to be. That's another reason why I wanted to go to it because I knew that the greens this week were going to be quick. And, um, again, you know, the, the way that the putters are weighted, the way they're designed, whether it's a face balance or a quarter toe hang, um, mallet style or whatever it is, um, they're heavy. And um, some people like a very heavy putter on fast greens. I don't. So um, so we'll see. Uh, long story, but but, but uh, I'm going with it just because it's, uh, it's very simple. At least it's going to be <laughs> tomorrow and Monday for the practice rounds. But my, my, uh, my backup will be – um, we'll be in the bag too. So anyway, <laughs> I, I look forward to hearing how it works out. Cause I, I you know, I gotta be honest with you, you know, my, my father's, you know, got lots of golf clubs, you know, up in his office and, and he's got a couple of bullseye putters. And, you know, when we've been playing around just, you know, putting on the carpet and that sort of thing, I've pulled those things out a couple of times and, and actually stroked the putter pretty well, but you look down and you go, you can't, you can't bring this out on the golf course now in the, in yeah. the day and age with the Odyssey putters to your point and everything else, all the other kind of putters out there, you can't, you can't do that. So, but you I'll know, tell you, what, it, if you hit it right, I, you know, it, it's um, it's the one thing I think that uh, you know, you're not going to bring out a persimmon wood. Um, for one, you'd crack the face by the first swing. Um, <laughs> irons haven't changed a whole lot. I mean, really, the irons, the iron sizes, yeah, they've got you've got a lot of game improvement stuff out there. Um, but the putter design is really the one thing that uh, I think is really held up. I mean, uh, the sweet spot. You know, it feels just as good with these harder balls, um, you know, as it did with the with the softer ballada. And um, you know, visually, it just takes a little while to kind of get used to it. If you haven't, uh, if you've been in a mallet style or I'll call mine a rear shafted putter, um, more uh, onset putter, uh, it's totally different looking. But like again, it's just so simple. It just you put it on the ground and it's it's uh, kind of falls in line with the you know inside of the sweet spot and got a really good grip on it. It feels good in my hands, and and uh, so we'll see. But uh, certainly, yeah. I'll 
I'll, I'll let you know. I mean, uh, please. I think, who knows what they're going to pair me with? They might pair me with a couple young kids that have never even seen a bull size. <laughs> you know, what is that? <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> so, I'm not Great. bringing out the hickory shafts or anything like that. It's putter. So I don't know. I know I don't you don't care. have much. Something different. I know you don't have much time, Sean. You know, in uh, like I said last week, boy, it's just been great to see the number of questions we've been getting, and we didn't even get all to all the ones last week. So, right, I want to get a couple of questions here before before we have to let you go, and you need to get on your plane. The first question this week is about Sean. What is the craziest side bet that uh, anyone has asked you to be a part of? Oh God, side bet. <sighs> I don't know. You know, um, not a whole lot of gambling. I think there's been a lot of a lot of that, a lot of that's been, you know, the Phil Mickelson sagas of right. all the of all the gambling he's got with these young kids out there, and and um, you know, I, I don't know. We never really interesting side bets. I don't think. I mean, um, you know, at my Make a Wish tournament, I do, um, you know, I do something where. Um, uh, I stand out on the eleventh hole at, at, at Southland, and all the groups that come through, I, I hit shots and stuff. And there was a group, a friend of mine from Arkansas, had brought his family over, and um, uh, and a group of guys, and brought his son. His son wasn't playing in the tournament, but his son was just kind of riding along. So we get up to the, uh, they come up to the eleventh hole, and his son was, I think he was about fourteen, thirteen or fourteen at the time, and. Um, Anyway, his dad said, hey, look, I want my son to hit against you. And I was, it was a competition because if I, I was trying to help the team, but if they got inside me, then they won. I, don't know, I can't remember what they won. I think they won a, a, a club of some sort of wedge or something like that. And um, anyway, Carson wasn't playing in the tournament, but his dad wanted him to hit against me. Now, he's, he's 13 years old. He might have been 12. And so he gets up there and he's challenging me um, to this bet um, and he's got this unbelievable duck hunting place. And he's like, look, okay, you beat Carson. Uh, he, you know, you get to come duck hunting or whatever. And I don't remember what it was, but I was, I really didn't, I kind of dismissed it because I'm like, this kid's 12 years old. He hasn't hit a shot yet. And he gets up there and I hit first. I was hitting first and I hit it I don't know, 10 feet, 12 feet. It was like sand wedge or something like that, 120 yards. He gets up there and hits it like a foot. <laughs> so wow. Anyway, so there wasn't a whole lot of betting going on. It was more of a benefit for me, I think, if I won, because I was going to get to go duck hunting at this fabulous place, <laughs> and I lost. So um, they've done bragging rights over me. But I don't know. I mean, typical stuff that we see out there is, you know, we play for money. It's always money. could be dinner. You know, with my friends and, and guys like that, we'll play for some, some adult beverages and stuff like that. But I can't think of anything that's just really crazy. Um you know, nothing right. at least it would be terrible. <laughs> Maybe late, <laughs> late night, late night TV or, or radio, probably. There you go. We we also had a question this week uh, about you and, and John Daly. It's, and the question is, Sean, you know, John Daly lived in Memphis for a while. Did you and John ever get the opportunity to go out and play golf? Uh, yes, this is my lesson to betting. I was, uh, this was 1989. <laughs> I was uh, he's a sophomore. I might have been between my sophomore and my junior year of college. And a friend of mine from home who played the tour named Doug Barron, he played for five or six years, he, uh, we used to play everybody around the city, around the state. We'd have people come in from other states to play us, and we won all the time. And um, 
so John, so he calls me up. He says, "Hey, um, I got this guy coming over from Arkansas. Uh, this guy named Brian Wagner. I think Brian played for the Oklahoma. I think he played for Arkansas. And um, and this guy named John Daly. Okay. So I go out there to my home club, our home club, Ridgeway Country Club, and I get up to the range and, and meet everybody. Now John has has everybody remembers this white." ceramic i believe it was a wilson driver it was a ceramic head with like a red shaft like a red hogs razorback hogs uh-huh so i, I show up you know i'm out there hitting my hitting a few balls and he starts hitting driver and i've never seen anything like it i could not believe i'm like what have you got me into <laughs> well we go out and play uh john shoots 65 i think i shot 69 and now, Doug, I was never a huge better. I never was like, you know, let's do this, let's press and automatic two downs or one down automatic, whatever it was you were going to do. Right. So I just had like one bet. Doug had bets going with everybody in the group and the group behind us. Well, John shoots 65, um, and I shoot 69, I think, and lose. And when it's all tallied up, 1989, I'm a, I'm a sophomore going into junior college. I lost. Five hundred dollars. Wow! To this guy named John Daly. So I go walking in to the uh, 19th hole. Fortunately, my dad was there, as he was every other time I played golf. And um, I took him. I took him aside. I said, "Dad, I need to borrow some money." And he says, <laughs> "What'd you do?" And I told him. And he just looked at me, and he opened up his wallet, and he gave me the money. And I, mean, I had a little bit, but he gave me what, the, what I needed. And he just kind of looked at me and says, we can talk about this later. And, um, <laughs> you know, and that was that, – that's, that's, that's the first time I ever played with John Daly. Well, we went back out and played. Uh, this, this was just more for fun because John, John – you know, John loved to win, but he, he really didn't care about the money. He really didn't. He was – you know, he probably would have given it, given it back to us. Um, but anyway, he um, – we get on the ninth hole as a par three, and he had an 88.02 putter. And he teed off of this putter, and he hit like a 50-yard slice, and he hit it like 15 feet from 200 yards. Oh, and my. I, and I was just like, well, I'm, yes, no, I couldn't believe it. So um, I've played a lot of golf with John, but that's the first time I ever played with him. And it's something that's, that I, I tell people that story all the time about John and uh, <laughs> how talented he is. Um, he, he, uh, he really is. And um, he always had that magical touch. Um, he had when he puts his hands on the golf club. Even to this day, they just look like they just belong there. There were other people like that. I think Byron Nelson was one. Sam Snead was another. But there are a few guys that when they put their hands on the club, they just look like they fit. And John, John still looks like that to this day. Sean, one more before we let you go. Our next uh, one of the other questions we got was more about you know life outside of. Golf, and it says, Sean, you've mentioned on the show that you're a Kiss fan. What are some of the other interests or fandoms you have away from golf? Uh, well, I, you know, I enjoy uh, I enjoy playing guitar. I've got a uh, 1961 Gibson SG reissue um, that I play. Um, I love music. Um, you know, I love flying airplanes. I haven't flown much in the last couple of years. Um, I've had my license since I was 18 years old. Um, I've, uh, I love planes. I've flown a lot of different planes. I've, uh, I've flown with the first fighter wing, uh, at, at wow. Langley Air Force Base, um, in an F-15. Um, in 2011, I flew with the top gun, top gun squadron out of Fallon, Nevada. They moved it from Miramar in San Diego to Fallon, Nevada. So I flew with, uh, um, 
Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Craig was his name, and we still keep in touch. And he um, flew me in an F-18. And uh, so um, I have a lot of interests, really. You know, certainly family is one of them, but, I, you know, I love playing guitar. Um, not great, but I enjoy it, and I love flying planes. And, um, you know, it was part of my introduction speech last night to, to Sam was that um, – up until maybe my sophomore year in college, I mean, I, I, of course, thought about playing professional golf, but it wasn't until, really, he he took over the program because he had played from 62 to 69 on the PJ Tour. And uh, I decided then and there that that's what I was going to do. And he, he took me to that level. And um, he was either, I was either going to do that or I was just going to be a part of um, the Federal Express family. Um, everybody knows him as FedEx right. now. I still follow Federal Express, you know, but um, <laughs> so – I, I love planes. I love, I love, I love the smell of jet fuel. It really kind of gets me going. I, I, uh, I love being around planes. I love talking planes. Um, I, I just, I love it so much. I can name any plane that goes over. I'm always looking at different things. <laughs> it's crazy. And there, and I told you, I told you this a couple of weeks ago. We got talking about the negative side of golf and some right. of the things, and and people label you one hit wonder and stuff like that. And there are times where. You know, I look at my friends, they're flying triple sevens. Uh, one guy's a left, uh, captain in a 767. And I wish that maybe I would have gone that route. I love it so much. I just love planes. But, um, you know, I, I chose this kind of lonely life of golf, and, and I'm, I'm so happy I did. I, I love it. Um, but uh, aviation was something that really took to me because my father used to take me to the flight simulator when he would have his check rides every six months when I was – I was eight, nine years old. I'm sitting in the plane. They would let me fly the plane. So I've really been flying these big jets, I guess, since I was about 10 years old. Um, you know, so um, there are parts of me that at times wish wish I'd, I'd do that because I think my career would still be going. I'd have another 20 years of of, of great earning potential, um, the joy of travel. And, and it, it's difficult to travel. I see the issues that they have. But um, anyway. I'll get off that, but it, but I, I, aviation, aviation is something I absolutely love. But um, you know, I could go on and on talking about all the things about planes that I like. But but um, I, I guess you know we don't have enough time for all that. <laughs> not, especially not this week. I know you got to get on a plane here in a minute. We've got, like I say, m- more questions sort of around that area. But I know we need to yeah. let you go. And before we do that, remind our listeners one more time, Sean, how they can uh, keep track of you and follow you over uh, social media. Yeah, so I do. I do Twitter. I don't do a whole lot, you know. I'm at Sean McKeel PGA, and then my Facebook page is, is Sean McKeel. And I also do LinkedIn, the same Sean McKeel. So um, there was a few things that have been posted. Um, I've enjoyed. I enjoyed meeting a lot of the, the ladies from the from the earlier teams that Sam had coached. Um, you know, posted a lot of pictures of us last night, and uh, it, was a, it was an absolute joy to get to meet some of them. And um, so there's a few more pictures. Um, you know, of that and, and uh, me just kind of reminiscing a little bit with my coach and, and some of my former teammates. So uh, there's a few things on there too. But uh, I try to add, and, I'm you know, look, you get you get questions all the time that we don't get answered. I'd certainly welcome anybody to, to reach out to me just directly. And, and uh, you know, I'm happy to answer anything that people have. Um, you know, it's uh, it's fun. I, I enjoy being on the show with you and and uh I hope the listeners are really getting a lot out of it and really finding some enjoyment um in the game and I'm certainly finding that it's uh it's great to talk about some things uh, that aren't related to maybe the, the 
the technical aspects of golf. And uh, so I enjoy sharing those those stories and and, and memories. So uh, keep them coming. Yeah, absolutely. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning while you're sitting at an airport to be a part of the show today. Safe travels, my friend. We look forward to hearing the good news about the web.com tour and, and how the bullseye putter works for you. Hopefully we get the opportunity to do it next week. Yeah, well, maybe I'll take off. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll get to Houston tomorrow or today. I'll, I'll, I'll get it out in the putting green. I'll take a, I'll take a picture just to kind of, just, just to show everybody <laughs> and prove that it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. God save uh, travels, yeah, my friend. We look forward to weekend. catching up soon. All right. Take care, Sean. Thank you. That's 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel here to answer your questions. And as he says, you can reach him out on out on Twitter and you can find him on Facebook and uh, keep the questions coming because it's, it's been a lot of fun to listen to Sean share his uh, his insights and experience with, uh, experiences with us every week. All right, friends, it's time for us to put a bow on this episode. Uh, before we do close up shop, you know, I like to tell you about, you know, our good friends Dave Stockton and Dave Stockton Jr. and their and their book, Own Your Game. Remember, folks, is you hear us talking, you hear us talking about this, you know, so often here on the show. The game is played, you know, a lot of times in that five-inch space between our ears. So get your mind right. And this book, the Stocktons, let you know how to, you know, play winning golf through strong mental pieces of the game. It recreates, you know, an experience of riding 18 holes with Dave Stockton at one of his highly sought-after corporate outings and draws from his experience both as a champion player on the regular tour and the senior tour, and now as a revered coach as well. He teaches you how to think better, stay calmer, execute more consistently, and most importantly, how to enjoy the game more thoroughly. Go to StocktonGolf.com to get your copy, and for a couple of extra dollars, Mr. Stockton will even autograph the copy for you. The Stocktons, folks, oh, by the way, you've heard us talk about it over the last couple of weeks. They have a new partnership with Back Nine Greens for our listeners out in the state of California. Check out backninegreens.com. If you're like me and you, you know you hate cutting the grass, check out their artificial uh, uh, turf landscaping pieces plus their uh, putting greens as well, which are absolutely amazing, folks. They have an unmatched passion for installing the highest quality artificial grass products, including synthetic grass lawns and synthetic grass turf putting greens. Fantastic stuff. Check it out uh, again online, backninegreens.com. All right, everybody, my sincere thanks to Paul Grandgard, Tom Patrick, Carling Nolan, and Sean McKeel for joining me today and making today's show so much fun to me for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Please check out our, our uh, sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me, my co-host Bob Lazari, and our announcer, Joe Lajanusa, as well. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find it on Blog Talk Radio as well as Armed Forces Radio as well. And we're online. We're everywhere online. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Player.fm, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Podbean. We're, we're all over the Internet for our uh, listening to the show as a podcast as well. So Thursday night tailgate every week we have you know great players from around the NFL NFL legends we are official partners of the NFL Alumni Association so you get to hear you know all of your favorite NFL stars that you grew up watching so please check us out thursdaynighttailgate.com you can find us online this show you can find online at nextonthetea.net from either site you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free folks plus keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be I can't thank you enough again for choosing to listen to this show today. We appreciate it very much. Until next week, hit him straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. 
We're PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors. And media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf. of a drill instructor directing a musical. Town hut! Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands! Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, left, left and step ball change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers.